Welcome to the episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And today I am joined by Amy Tippett Madrid returning to the show. Amy, welcome back. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited. I just realized the last one you did was also a Joe Pesci movie, I believe. Uh, uh, was it? Oh my Home, God. Home, Home Alone. Oh so my God, it was. It totally was. You're going to be now our Joe Pesci person? I, I guess I, that's, that's that's. I don't the... know how I became that person. <laughs> like of all the people, that's not... That's not who twist. I wanted to be. That's a life yeah. plot twist for me. That was not expecting. <laughs> um, but yes, as we're talking about my cousin Fanny today, but this, this past month we have been discussing courtroom dramas and kind of how massive this genre is. It's also a very popular genre, as we've come to find out. And with this genre, it's actually one of the genres that we've covered in a while that's like very defined tropes and character archetypes. And so like some of the ones we've talked about is like some the old country lawyer in San Nami and Murder with Jimmy Stewart, or you have this kind of young hotshot lawyer like in Tom Cruise and A Few Good Men, or you have this young, or just not even young in this for, this, for today, but an inexperienced lawyer that is kind of a part of a process thing today yes. with, with Vinny and my cousin Vinny, Elle Woods and Legally Blonde. I was just about to say all the whole time we were watching, I was watching this movie. I just kept thinking it's Legally Blonde. Oh my God, this is Legally Blonde. Yeah. It's very much kind <laughs> of a, a different version of Legally Blonde yeah. where it's like, it's, it's a character who is in an environment where they're underestimated. Yes. And they rise to the occasion because of their just pure talent, essentially. Sure. What it is. Yeah. If that be Elle Woods, if that be, uh Vinny. Vinny is the thing. Um you also kind of have this uh we kind of discovered this month of like the a subgenre of the courtroom drama is the defense attorney drama, which is what Vinny, my cousin Vinny is as well, where it's we're following this defense attorney, um, in some cases with a murder trial. Um you also kind of have these this um again with any court case, but here here in this genre pieces of evidence are a big a big part of the plot yes uh in some cases there's always this one big piece of evidence that's discovered the last minute that kind of tips the scale to a certain side and it's and always something that's small from the like earlier in the film there was always <laughs> there yeah it was always yeah. there you know yeah we've kind of talked about this month how a lot of the movies we've discussed or some of the movies we've discussed are somewhat mystery movies in a way. Sure. Like yeah. we don't know the outcome. That's what's interesting about, say, My Cousin Vinny. Is it's like the one where like, we actually know they didn't commit the murder yeah. pretty much from the beginning. Right. And so we're there's no mystery element to it. We're just trying to like see if he can pull it off. Well, and I think there is basically. Yeah, th that is the mystery. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Can he, can, <laughs> can can he Vin do this? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so you have that. You also have... A lot of times, I think Thomas pointed out, like you kind of have the old character actor stepping in for like a judge role of some kind. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes that's it's in a this bigger, story for sure. That's, that's or in this, this movie one, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. With with, with, uh, with Fred, Fred Gwynn. Yeah. Fred Gwynn. Yeah. And you kind of have that, and and you also just like it's it's with this courtroom drama, it's a good kind of acting piece for someone because it's very heavy on dialogue or or words, not yeah. dialogue, but just words, speeches. Um, if that be in closing arguments or whatever, it's funny. We talked about how a, I think something like a time to kill comes to mind of like the courtroom dramas always have closing arguments. So I've come to find out that a lot of these that we've covered don't have closing arguments or a to kill a mockingbird is another example where that has a big closing argument, but Vinny doesn't really have a closing nope. argument. It's just kind of like, 
spoiler alert, it just kind of like ends. Oh, yeah, we, we're overturning yeah, like, it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we. Oh, oh yeah, we found out the real truth. Okay, we're done. Okay, well there we go. Yeah, but but yeah, so like we yeah, so there's that's all kind of at play here in my cousin Vinny. It's always kind of been play here the entire month um, with the courtroom drama. Uh, and so yeah, today as we've said, we're talking about my cousin Vinny, which was released in 1992, directed by Jonathan Lynn, written by Dale Lawner, and starring Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, Ralph Macchio, Mitchell Whitfield, Fred Gein, or Fred Gein, Fred Fred Gwynn, Fred Fred Gwynn, yeah, not Ed Gein, uh, Fred Gwynn, um, Lane Smith, uh, a lot of great characters, Lane Smith, Austin Pendleton. Bruce I love Miguel. Austin Pendleton. Yeah. He's great. We'll He's talk great. about him because he, he, there's some stuff with him in this movie that I want to discuss. Also, before we get too far into it, I feel like I need to confess something to the listeners right now, right in this moment. And you, are you ready for this? I have never yes. seen The Karate Kid. <laughs> wow. I know. Amy. I know. And the whole time- So you're like, Ralph whole, Macchio means nothing to you. Well, I mean, he saying. means something to me because I like know, you know what I mean? Like he's re- like relevant. Like I know who he is, but I don't yeah. know who he is, you know? So, so I feel like that's, uh, I'm, I was almost like, I was like, this is going to come up. I should just like get it out of the way early <laughs> on. Like, cause I was the whole time I was watching it. I thought, oh God, I've never seen the Karate Kid. <laughs> like, I've got to go watch that movie now. I mean, it's, I mean, Karate Kid's fun. Like yeah. it's 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 I mean it's very hot right now because of Cobra Kai on Netflix. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's I mean I've seen the I've seen the first two Karate Kids, and the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank. Oh gosh. Uh, which is the fourth one. I haven't seen the third one. So that's like right now in Cobra Kai, we're like they're they're you pulling to, all you they're pulling all stuff from the third one. Yeah, it's pulling all stuff from the third. I was like, what the hell's happening in the third? Like, one? I don't know. I don't even know. Well, I feel bad. I just I want everyone to know that I I uh I feel like I can still bring something to the table. I don't want people to just log off right now. I mean now, I mean trust know? me, they're, right? like, they're like, all right, this girl hasn't even seen the Karate Kid. We're done. We're well, done. I, I think it's interesting <laughs> about Rob Macchio is like he's a guy like he there is a there is a loyal following around Rob Macchio yeah. and my cousin Vinny. We'll talk about that uh, as we go because there's some kind of fun aftermath with that. But it's I mean go watch the Karate Kid if you can. It's a good movie. It's fun. I mean it's it's like. All right, if I promise I will. It's, it's, I promise. It's like, it's 80s. It's like, but again, too, it's like, it's one of those movies, too, where, like, I don't know what your opinion of it will be when you come to it late. That's like, yeah, there's certain movies enough. that, yeah, like, for sure. if you come, come to kind of early, it's like, it's, it's, because that's a big, like, you watched it when you were a kid. So yeah, like, sure. Yeah, if you can watch it, great. If not, I'm experiencing a lot of that as I've gone through my. Oh no, I need to watch a lot more movies than I've watched Renaissance here. I've realized, yeah. oh god, this would have been a lot yeah. better if I'd watched them like 10, yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> so, so hopefully for the podcast podcast listeners who are still there, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking about Mike Cousin Vinny. That that cast crew, um, Mike Cousin Vinny. For those who do not know, is about two young New Yorkers who two two guys. Two Utes, Utes, Utes. <laughs> uh, who are traveling through rural Alabama, through the South, who are arrested uh, after being wrongly accused of murder, and they're put on trial for this. And Ralph Macchio's character, uh, Bill Ga- Bill Gambini, calls up his his mom to find out. He's like, "We need a lawyer." Oh yeah, it's my cousin Vinny. He's a lawyer, and Vinny, who's Typical Italian American New York, all leather and black and slick back hair <laughs> and dyed black dyed hair, comes down to Alabama with his his girlfriend, his fiance, uh, Mona Lisa Vito, 
as he is going to defend his his cousin and his friend and this murder case. And Vinny is a lawyer, but he's never actually tried a case before. Uh, he actually just recently passed the bar on his 13th <laughs> try. And so he is just, he is very inexperienced and does not actually know how to try a case of any kind. He's only dealt with like parking tickets and kind of criminal injury is kind of his big yeah, thing. Yeah, injury, personal um, injury. Yeah. Personal injury is that fun little moment when they're at the bar and he's like, how'd you get that? To the guy <laughs> with the neck brace. So yeah, that's kind of the story. So what, because I know we, we talked this before we, you can, we kind of picked the movies. What's kind of your history with this movie or do you have a history with my cousin, Benny Amy? Yes. So I've seen this movie once before, but it was years ago in college. Um, uh, Glenda Williams, shout out if you're listening. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure it was her. We watched it in a producing and production management class, I believe. So we broke it down. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I, I like, and I want to say that I don't actually know I hope that I'm not like assimilating assignments or something like that. I know we also <laughs> did Pretty Woman, and I can't remember. I, like, I remember we did. Pre- yeah, I, I, remember. I did Pretty Woman. It was script version. I remember that. I yeah, did that we did one. The, in the, like in three, that class. when it was three thousand. We did 3, the three thousand version. Yeah. But we just did the first half. We just did the first half. I think of it. that was yeah. Also ours. Yeah. And um, but I I so I don't actually I can't. I can't remember exactly what we did, but I think it was scheduling and breakdown. But we used this movie basically. Um, and so, um, yeah. And I can honestly say I felt like I, I mean, I, I don't have the memory that you have. I mean, it's just, you know, I just really don't, but, um, but I, I try and there were a couple of scenes that I definitely remembered, like I totally remembered, but then there were some that I, I had completely forgotten about. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, that, that'll actually kind of play for me too. Cause so my history with this, I've probably seen the back half of this movie more times than I can count. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just one that's always on cable for one. Uh and it's like one like if I'm visiting my parents or whatever, it's like it's probably on, on T- TBS yeah. somewhere or whatever. And so usually when you're turning it on, I'm turning it on like when the trial starts. So I watching it this time I was like, oh wait, the trial doesn't start like an hour in the movie. Like right. I thought that well, was the whole movie. And I would say, like, that's actually what I what I thought was funny. I thought maybe I only watched the back half of this, but I think, yeah. and we'll get into this later, but I think there's a reason. Yes. There's a reason I agree. I, yeah. I only really remember the back half. Yeah. So because yeah. I, I always I always come in and it's usually not even when like it's not even when they start the case, like when they're actually in the like when they're doing the they're, they're not, it's not when they're doing the arraignment or when they're doing the, right, kind of the brief right. jury selection. It's always like when Pesci is like it's the defense is the it's defense, defense. Doing, they're playing their case. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm not even seeing Lane Smith that much doing the prosecution part. I'm just seeing the defense part. Right. And so it's it's like him kind of doing like the 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 pictures with the guy with yeah, the trees yeah. and the that. I the remembered that. The glasses. Yeah. I totally. I, I remembered the glasses sequence like almost verbatim because yeah, yeah, I yeah. just thought you know because it well and it's such a speaking to the genre it's like of course someone's eyesight is going to be questioned. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So I mean, like yeah. yeah, I felt like um but yeah the the back half the last act i definitely remember yeah. but the rest of it not so much so yeah and i'll maybe tell us later but yeah speaking of the like time of the glass like yeah when you look at the this kind of in comparison to like 12 hungry men that was a part where like oh they when they're trying to decipher kind of what the clues were what the evidence was one of the part was is that there was a lady uh who was on who who, who was who gave a testimony that they realized that she had glasses and that, and then her eyesight was put in question. Right. Or then, uh, and then also her, 
she was talking to or, or her uh she was seeing across to like the l train or whatever so there's stuff in her way to see it and they had the guy in this one where he has the, the like dirty and windows the sh- yeah. and the trees yeah and it's like something obstructed his view and so right. that was it's again that's kind of what happens in these kind of movies is you have to find a way to poke holes in the in the testimony right yeah because like and the thing about this movie that i find interesting is there's really no villain no, in the film there's really not yeah there's like there's antagonistic forces at hand in some way if it's the judge sure. or just that but that's natural you're gonna have some conflict right, between, right. on opposing sides but like lane smith is as the prosecutor isn't really a villain no like not at all fred Gune fred is not really a villain as the judge he might be kind of hostile or whatever to this this yankee coming into the south right. basically <laughs> um but yeah, it's no one's really a bad person. So no, none of the none of the witnesses are trying to pull one over. Yeah, they're just they're just speaking of what they thought they saw. Right. A right. lot of times. Um. But yeah, so I I've seen that the back half a lot. I've specifically seen Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci's final back and forth between the two, and when she's brought yeah. to the witness stand last minute. That's, yeah. That's yeah. I I could not tell you how many times I've seen that section of that movie. For sure. It is. In, yeah. It is insane. So that's that's kind of my history. It was also kind of funny too. We're talking about this movie it comes out in 1992. We just covered last week a few good men that also came out in 1992. So that's a weird kind of. We picked four. We picked five movies this month. Uh, all or four of them. Two came out or Twelve Men and What's the Prosecution, which we do next week, came out the same year. And then this and a few good men came out the same year. Interesting. So weirdly, like ninety two and fifty, nineteen ninety two and nineteen fifty seven, big years for courtroom dramas for some reason. Don't know why. Um, it's our, but yeah, that's our that's our youths, if you will. Yeah, you and that's, I. Yeah. That's our youths. So. Yes. So it's like so like so like this this came out at the beginning of ninety two and a few good men came out at the end of ninety two. So let's kind of dive into the history of how this movie got into production, how My Cousin Vinny got to production. So like every movie out there, My Cousin Vinny started with a nugget of an idea. And so when the film's future screenwriter, Del Lawner, was in college at California State University at Northridge, a friend of his mentioned that he knew a guy who didn't pass the bar exam until his 13th try. <laughs> and Dale how thought that was a... Yeah, Dale thought that, would be a, that was a funny idea. And he thought it'd be... Ev- or a funny thing, funny anecdote... He thought it'd be even funnier if that someone had to try, like try a case, um, for someone that they didn't commit a crime, basically. And the lawyer who is who is helping them failed so many times at the bar, and he has to represent them, or she, he or she has to represent them. Um, but it was only an idea, and this is like probably in probably early eighty, probably probably late seventies, if I had to guess mm-hmm. based on his age. Um, but that idea kind of stuck with him, and while he was in college. He hopped around from major to major until finally deciding to study film. And as at the end of the 80s, he started actually writing screenplays. Um, his two big screen, screenplays that came out uh, were for Ruthless People, starring Danny DeVito and Bette Midler, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, starring Steve Martin and Michael Caine. And both these films were pretty decent-sized hits for the time, so he was becoming a trusted comedy writer in Hollywood. And it was at this time that he began to revisit that idea he came up with in college about this lawyer who goes down to the South and has to try this case, essentially. Mm -hmm. This New Yorker who goes down to the South has to try this case after never having tried a case before. But Dale had never actually really been to the South before. 
Oh, I'm so, so he, shocked. <laughs> yeah, so he just he decided to take a road trip down there. So he flew down to New Orleans, rented a car, and began to drive. And he went through towns in Mississippi like Jackson and then went over to Alabama where he stopped off in Butler, Alabama. Okay. And while there, he met with an assistant district attorney and asked him questions about practicing law there. And he took a liking to this guy, and he became and that that guy that he met, the assistant DA, became the basis for the character of Jim Trotter, who is the DA in this movie, played by Lane Smith. Um, okay. And so D- Dale began taking lines or characters from other parts of his life. The scene where Vinny and Lisa arrived to town with tr- car trouble because of mud in their tires <laughs> uh, was taken for a time where he actually was in Alabama. And his car did the exact same thing. And he met this mechanic <laughs> who was like, there's mud in your tires. She's like, how is that possible? He's like, oh, it's just a saying we have. And based on that entire scene that is in the movie actually happened to him. Um, he said he also based the character of Vinny and Lisa, or the characters of Vinny and Lisa, on two of his friends who were a couple in real life. And he said how they talked about, basically when they talked, they always argued. And usually they were insulting one another but because of their dark sense of humor, they found the insults to be funny and almost flirtatious when mm. they were bantering back and forth. Um, so Dale would make his way back to L.A. where he would soon meet a lawyer by the name of Doug Knoll. And uh, Dale wanted the script to be as accurate as possible to a real trial in a courtroom. So he began taking notes and asking countless questions to this lawyer. And he asked him, what class do you take to learn about criminal trial proceedings? And he responded, you don't take any class. There's no class available. Either go to court and watch or the firm that you, that hires you teaches you. And he was like, so what happens if, what happens if you had to try a case uh, and you haven't done anything? He's like, oh, well, you're, you're fucked is basically <laughs> what he says. Um, and so that kind of becomes, oh, that sneaks in its yeah. way into the script. Um, almost verbatim. So, yeah. It's a direct yeah, quote. Verb- yeah. 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 Uh, and so once he had these notes, he began writing the first draft of the script. Uh, and it would take him about six weeks to crank out a draft of the script, which is pretty pretty fast, depending yeah. on how how much you write. Um, uh, he he had he was a he had written a lot, so he was probably six weeks is probably enough for him. And so after his success with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, the script was quickly bought up by 20th Century Fox. When they had their first meeting about the script, the president of Fox at the time asked Loner, uh, or told Loner he liked the script, but he wanted him to cut the character of Lisa. Uh, what? Because she had all the good lines, and he wanted the character of Vinny to have have them because <laughs> she's because she sounded too smart. Oh, what a trash human! That's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. Um, and Lana responded that that's like reading the script of Easy Rider and asking me to cut out the role of Jack, the role that Jack Nicholson played. He's like, she is the best part of the script. Yeah. And her moment on the stand is the most important in the film. Yes. hundred percent. So he ended, up, he ended up winning that argument and it's, and she stayed. Thank God. Yeah. Thank um, God. They soon began looking for a director for the film. And initially Danny DeVito, who starred in Ruthless People, which Lana wrote, was attached to direct and star in the role of Vinny. And Loner and 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 DeVito met and DeVito like it seems like he didn't love the script. He was like he I think he said that the script the script doesn't have go. It was like a weird phrase that he used. Mm. And Loner was like, you want me to add go to the script? It was just like kind of it was like a they, like they what, just, like, there was a misunderstanding. Yeah. Explain. Like, had, yeah, you're gonna I don't have to know. do a little it, bit more than that. I'm yeah. gonna need a little bit more. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so DeVito simply like dropped out. I think I think Lonner said that he felt that DeVito felt that Lonner's heart wasn't in it mm. because he wouldn't make the changes they talked about or something. So after that, British director Jonathan Lynn signed on to the project, and we talked about Lynn a few months ago on the show because he directed Clue in 1985, which was produced by John Which Landis. is a great movie. Yeah, great film. It was his directorial debut. Yeah. And this would be his third movie. He kind of had like a blunder with Nuns in the Run right before this. Um, so he signs on for this, and Fox would commission him to rewrite the script, which was kind of against Lonner's which wishes, which happens in Hollywood. All the time. Um, and Dale wasn't too pleased with some of Lynn's changes, feeling he overplayed the comedy. One example he talked about was how when Vinny gets his car stuck in the mud and after him and Lisa have slept in the car the night before, Vinny goes out and tries to push the car or lift the wheel out with the with the with the piece of wood and Lisa hits the gas and mud goes flying, he <laughs> trips and falls. Loner felt it was like too cliche and he had seen that before. Yeah. And Lynn was like, Of course you've seen it before. It's funny, and you'll keep seeing it over and over again. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, but one thing that Lynn added to the script uh, that that Loner was trying to do previously was Lynn wanted to add more accurate aspects of practicing law because Lynn, who went to a college in England, actually studied law and got his degree in law. Oh, well, so that helps he, when you're writing a script like this, you know. That's, yeah, that's helpful. And so he always hated how when he watched courtroom movies, how a lot of them were inaccurate of like what a trial sure. would be like so he kind of helped kind of beef that up and they soon began to try and cast the film once the script was kind of in good shape and the lead role of Vinny was initially written to be a former heavyweight boxer <laughs> so a bigger dude um but why that makes so much sense. that like of course it was like of course yeah. it was i don't know that's just Okay, go ahead. Big Italian <laughs> Big dude, Italian, boxer. like stereotype. Yeah. yeah, like that's just so, yeah. of course. Hey, like, yo. Yeah, it's yeah. like go down to Alabama. And oh, so ma <laughs> many, many believed the role was going to go to Andrew Dice Clay, who at that time was one of the most popular stamp comedians. Uh, Clay believes he lost the role after the failure of his recent starring vehicle, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Uh, Lynn says he was also taken off the list because – he said something in poor taste, the studio's vice president, which for those who do not know, uh, Clay Stamp Comedy is very much his MO. Right. Uh, he was at a point where he was just, he was that guy who everything was kind of in, in poor taste in comparison nowadays. Clay has now kind of had a recent, little bit of a comeback as a character actor. He was in a Star is Born where he played Lady Gaga's dad. Um, actually pretty oh, good. Had um, no idea. Yeah. That's funny. Big stamp guy in the, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, cool. So they would soon look to other actors for the role. They talked about Peter Falk. They talked about Robert De Niro. And they talked about Jim Belushi. Belushi was the closest to being hired, but he turned it down because he was already attached to Star and Penny Marshall's A League of Their Own in the role that Tom Hanks would eventually play <gasps> as Jimmy Dugan. Oh, also, uh, no. So he ended up miss missing, he ended up missing both both these roles these big roles that could have i feel elevated like his career my cousin Vinny was closer i do not feel like it would have worked for a league of their own i i like jim belushi but yeah i i like tom hanks in league of their own um yeah i do too i just don't i don't know i couldn't i can't see it that's my, my yeah that's my personal two cents go ahead 
I didn't mean to no, interrupt yeah. you. But yeah, but yeah, so he he didn't do it, and I think I think I heard he regretted it not taking this role or whatever. So their attention soon turned to Joe Pesci. Because during the 1980s, Pesci was known as a dramatic actor, but with the recent success of Lethal Weapon 2 and with Home Alone on the Horizon, which was released in 1990, which is when they're kind of trying to cast this movie, Pesci was beginning to make a name for himself as a comedic actor. Uh, When they began talking to him, he was actually in the middle of filming Goodfellas for Martin Scorsese, very different from this movie. Um, And Lennon Pesci would start discussing the script, and one of the exchanges they had ended up in the film. And while talking about the movie, Pesci called the two boys two utes. <laughs> and Lynn, Lynn, who is a guy from Britain, not used to Pesci's accent, is like, do what? What did you He's say? He's like, two, two utes. And Pesci's like, oh, I'm sorry. Two youths. Youths. And Lynn was like, that's funny. Let's add that in the script. Um, and then so Pesci's on board. They soon begin looking for the two kids who are wrongly accused of murder. Ralph Macchio, who was famous for playing Daniel LaRusso in the Karate Kid franchise, Amy's next thing on her watch list. Yep. Um, but he was not—he <laughs> is not that big of a star at this point. His his star kind of faded after Karate Kid. Macchio even said that kind of Fox saw him as old news. Um, Interesting. And so the and the other actor cast for Macchio's best friend was Mitchell Whitfield. Um, but there were two up and coming movie stars who were not big at all at this point. Who almost landed both these roles? Leonardo DiCaprio. No, he was too. He's way too young. He's way, way too young. young. Was he really? A, well, I guess yeah, 1992. Was, yeah. Okay. He was too yeah, young. He was, You're he right. Was too young. Okay. According to according to Machi and Whitfield, it was between them and the duo of Ben Stiller and Will Smith. Interesting. The reason Stiller and Smith were not cast was the studio felt there would be a lot more extra baggage to the story with two characters being one being a Jewish man and one being a black man yeah. wrongly accused of murder in the South. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's that's more backstory. Smith was on, was apparently just starting or about to start fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So people were kind of like, who's this young yeah. guy? Yeah. Same with, same with Stiller. And so like both Mitchell Whitfield's like, yes, yeah, the only role I've ever beaten Will Smith out for. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the hardest role to cast, which is not surprising, was the role of Mona Lisa Vito. And Lynn said they offered the role or auditioned every Italian-American actress they could find in Hollywood. Uh, they offered it to uh, Lorraine Bracco, who was working on Goodfellas Pesci at the time, uh, but she would turn it down. And one day, Lynn got a call from his Clue collaborator, John Landis, who was finishing up production on his film Oscar, starring Sylvester Stallone and also Danny DeVito, funny enough, um, popped up three times here in the story. Um, Landis wanted Lynn to come by and see the sets before they tore it down. I think I think it was like set in 1920s or something, the movie Oscar. And while Lynn was on set, he spotted a young actress who was working on the movie. He asked Landis who she was uh, because she had fantastic comedic timing in the scene that he saw her do. And Landis told her her name was Marissa Tomei. So they would then bring Tomei, who is this young, unknown actress, in to audition for the role of Mona Lisa Vito, and she apparently kills it. Like everyone sees it in the room. Like they said, it was kind of the cliche moment where, like, oh well, she's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once they left, though, they knew they had an uphill battle because she was an unknown actress, and mm. Fox, Fox, or 20th Century Fox, was very adamant they wanted a star actress in that role. So Fox forced Lynn to screen test Tomei and two other actresses that were in their top three. And after they tested them, 
Lynn showed the audition or the screen test to Pesci, uh, who said basically, well, it's obviously Marista May is the best one out of these three. And now Lynn had the lead actor's approval. So he was able to go to Fox and fight to get Marista May in the role. That's how and you do it. W- and once Fox realized that Pesci was on board and wanted Marista May, Fox is kind of like, well, fine, just go make the movie. They're like, they were too close to filming. They didn't want to like right, basically stall right. the movie after already spending all this money um, over this squabble, basically. So sure. with with that, cast in place, the script in place, they move into production, and now we're moving on to favorite scenes. So Amy, what is one of your favorite scenes in My Cousin Vinny? Um, I loved the opening statements um in the uh, when they when they finally get to Every, the courtroom. everything he says is everything he says is bullshit yeah everything that he part, says is yeah. bullshit yeah i love that i also loved um and i don't know you know i i'm i mean i know this was intentional i thought it was hilarious um when um when the prosecutor says truth that's what verdict mean it's a word that comes down from old england and all yeah. our little old ancestors and then they immediately cut to a oh, black god. woman um that was pretty great and i thought that was pretty funny and it was a way to address kind of uh this you know it was a a way to address something that was like really important but like also in this way that was like yeah this this is so it it felt so accurate for me coming from living in living in the south that like yes you know what i mean like there's just this like generalization and people don't even realize how stupid they sound sometimes like you don't even realize it because he's not a dumb guy like this man is very smart and he He's not even evil. Like we've kind of talked about that. Like he's not an antagonist, but here he is being dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and being kind of ignorant, you know? Well, it's 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 like it's the old the old country lawyer. It's not old, but like it's like the country lawyer. It's the like right. goes hunt hunting and fishing yeah. and has yeah. has a cabin in the woods for Brandon, his hunting cabin. How many guys do you know like this for real? Like I know several. <laughs> like, oh you know, yeah. Like so many. Oh yeah. Like this guy is so like this is still a this is still a person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, oh no, this yeah. Character is like Hands totally down. someone that yeah. And, and I guess let's talk about that here because like it's it's like with this movie, there are stereotypes. Yeah. In it for sure, but but it's also southern stereotypes and new york stereotypes it's kind of like all oh yeah everything's kind of everyone gets an equal like take yeah it's pretty i mean it's like it's stereotypical all the way around it's like yeah stereotypical italian american representation stereotypical southern representation like totally um but but i do think they got some things right um and we i kind of want to talk about that later and like what worked but um but i do think kind of you know speaking of this favorite scene i think that one little exchange that was kind of one of those things for me that represented what this movie did right like they yeah. got some of the yeah you know the nuances of how of this community and this culture and i thought that was yeah. that was good so well like because i because I, I think too with the with the i mean he there's a little bit with kind of the characters they're on the stand but like he they don't really play the southern characters as dumb yeah i like i mean like even like they shoot to uh like judge holler um he's a yale Mm -hmm. graduate you know what i mean like they make sure you know that you know they make sure that you know this man is he's really smart like and i liked that because we don't get a lot of that representation ever yeah you know he's he's smart that that jim trotter the third that's the part jim trotter the third uh is intelligent right um and, and then 
and again, very similar. What it is is that like I think with both of them is the New Yorkers come in have very stereotypical thoughts of Southerners, right? And the Southerners have very stereotypical thoughts of these New Yorkers coming in. Sure, yeah. Specifically, these type of New Yorkers coming yes, in for sure. Um, and so that's it's an interesting dynamic. Like, like it's not it's not perfect in right. the stereotypes and how I play with them, but it could be way worse. Yeah, um, for sure. Because there is that line. This will come out later. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flag it here. But there's a line where, uh, where uh, uh, Stan, who's who's uh, Bill, who's Stan, who's one oh, of the guys. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Go oh, ahead. the line when it's the line when he's on the, when they're on the phone in the police station. He's yeah. like they all sleep with their cousins, sisters, sisters, and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. 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 That's they're, all, later. they're all in the clan. They're all in yeah, the clan. They're, they're, they're all, all in the clan. They all sleep yeah. with their sisters. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm playing it now because that line's gonna be important later on. Yeah. Well, in and the he story. says, well, and he says, uh, okay, well, some of them do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And 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 that and and that will go and uh, not go off things that kind of don't work, but like it's it's like that sometimes when the comedy is is a little too much in that specific instance where like right. it doesn't age as well. But anyway, I want to go back to favorite stuff because I don't want to keep talking. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. No, but yes, it's like I think all the courtroom stuff I think is fantastic. Yeah, me once too. I get, yeah. Once I get to the courtroom, that's when like this movie Act kind of three, picks up because yeah, yeah. Because I remember because when I was watching, I was like, I was watching the first kind of thirty minutes. I was like, I could not tell you the last time I saw this first thirty minutes. Yeah. Like I couldn't tell you the the last time I saw them drive up. And go in the sack of suds. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and the whole thing. And tuna thing. Yeah, I, 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 I completely forgot the whole thing starts over a can of tuna. Yeah. Like, I, I was just like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happened here. Yeah. Because I just, I always catch the back end of this movie. Um, and the and bar. Also, see, well, we're going to talk about, I mean, I don't want, we're getting ahead of ourselves, Brandon. But, yes, I, yeah. I too, I couldn't remember the whole, like, the first 30 minutes of this movie. I was yeah. like, uh, yeah. But with that with that first kind of half what i because like because uh uh tomei and pesci don't show up to like 10 15 minutes in the film but what they do right in kind of that first part is that they're leaving you breadcrumbs of what's going to happen in the back half sure so and I'll show you how smart Pe how smart Vinny is and also how smart lisa is where they're taking note of the things they're encountering. Right. So it's right. it's the one that when they're at the diner and they're talking to the guy who's serving them breakfast and he asked the questions about the grits. Yeah. What's a right. what's a grit? What's a grit? And he was like, How he's like, it takes usually 15, 20 minutes. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's gonna be part of the case. Yeah. I thought um, the same thing. I was like, yeah. that's definitely gonna be brought back up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or even even the mud in the tires where they're talking about that where then like Marissa Tomei because like anyone who knows if you get stuck in the mud in Alabama you did yeah it's like they've learned right while being here and how they can use this this location or this kind of culture um to their advantage in trying the case for sure. for for Bill and Stan um so I liked that in that first half but yeah. it yeah the energy of the movie picks up in that back half but uh, uh but there's there's two scenes I like early on in the first half. I love it when Pesci uh which is kind of getting the back half, but when Pesci is trying to convince Bill or Ralph Macchio that he should defend him. Yeah. He's with like, the magic like, with the card. And he's like, It's so great. It's, it's yeah, so great. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's it's like let me I was like, I know I screwed up on this. Like, let just give me a try. If you don't like what I do in the defense and in, in the in the first questioning or whatever 
then I will leave and you can take John Gibbons, Austin Pillman's Pillman's character, and he can defend you. Yeah. But just let me... Let me give it a try. Let Let me do my thing. thing. And the thing with the brick, where it's like the brick, you know, it looks like it's this big, but it's actually this thin, and he turns the card to the side and all of that. And, And then the scene that comes after that, where Billy is like, you know, telling Stan... Like, let me tell you about this time that my, my, you know, my cousin took us to see this magician and he was calling out every trick and he knew and he could pull it apart and all this kind of stuff. I felt like that the scene you're talking about set up that next scene very well. And so I I wound up liking them uh, together um, as a sequence. I like that. Because basically it's just like, that's just him. That's Vinny. Yeah, that's Vinny. he sees the bullshit. Yeah, basically is what it is. Yeah, and he and he'll call. He's not afraid to call you on it. And like he just has that mind where he thinks that way. And yeah, it might not be anything we were talking about a magician, but let's see if he can take those exact same skills and put it in a trial. And can he notice the details? Because that's what yeah. it's all about. Is right. what wins you the case is those little details that will put you over. It is the and it's the glasses. The- it's also the showmanship of it. I love the representation yes, of yes. the magician in this moment because it also represents Vinny's That's showmanship. Fair. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, he plays him his audience. He know, he figures out exactly. his audience and he knows how to how to play them. Yeah. That's that's a great point. Cause like, yeah, there is a showmanship quality to courtroom dramas a lot of the time. It's it's definitely I, the 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 quintessential thing to think about is like it's it's Richard Gere in Chicago when he's talking about the razzle dazzle yeah. it's all yeah. it's all a show it's just it's a it's a circus and it's who can put on the better performance in a way right and and there is the showmanship to it so yeah bringing that magician thing in there is actually kind of fun with the card too is it's it's the, a nod it's the, to that showmanship yeah i agree i agree and i like that he's gonna show you the bricks he'll show you they got straight sides he'll show you how they got the right shape he showed them to you in a very special way so that they appear to have everything a brick should have. But there's one thing he's not going to show you. When you look at the bricks at the right angle, they're as thin as this playing card. His whole case is an illusion, a magic trick. It has to be an illusion, because you're innocent. Nobody, I mean nobody, pulls the wool over the eyes of a Gambini, especially this one. Give me the chance. One chance. Let me question the first witness. If after that point you don't think that I'm the best man for the job, fire me then and there. I'll leave quietly, no grudges. All I ask is for that one chance. I think you should give it to me. And then another thing I like, it's when when he's like when Pesh when 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 Vinny's on a high because he just he went to go see Trotter they're gonna go hunting and he says like I'm gonna kind of convince him to give him his my, his court case I just want to see what he has yeah and then he asks him he's like oh yeah give me a second he calls up his assistant and says oh yeah can you use Xerox copy these for for Vinny <laughs> and he comes in he's on this high like I got him yeah I got <laughs> I got the files we're great and and Tim and Tim is like Lisa uh-huh. yeah. Lisa's just like, yeah, mm-hmm, that's great. Mm-hmm, and that's then great. like when they get into that argument and then she's just like, you want you want to know? It's you don't want to know di- why yeah, he gave it's them to you? Disclosure, it's called disclosure, dickhead. I love that. Yeah, I like I that too. That. I like pretty much any moment where Lisa is together. like, yeah, anytime they're together. Yeah. And and, yeah. and and when she's giving him the what for and the rundown of everything, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I loved I loved her energy. I want 
I bet they don't have good Chinese food here. I bet they I don't have that. good Chinese food here. Yeah. He's like, well, you still stop worrying about the Chinese food. They're not going to have Chinese food here. <laughs> There's one tiny moment that I, uh, one tiny scene that I just really loved. And I think it's a an example of Vinny's growth as a character is when he defends his terrible suit. Uh, you know, like the judge has <laughs> the judge has been giving him shit the whole movie about his damn suit, you know, and um and it was so very southern. And let me tell you why. This is what I thought was so funny. The judge's reaction of like, what the hell are you wearing? And Vinny's like, Do yeah. you know how much effort went into yeah. this suit? And he's like telling him, he's like, I might look ridiculous, but it's a matter of respect. I knew you would hate the other stuff. I was trying yeah. to do the right thing. And I think in this moment, I went back to this like childhood part of me that was like how many times did I try? Like I was, I was doing something, so, but in the South, um, yeah. you know, it, it, you, people's perception of your respect for them or of what you think of them, of like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it, um, I just love, I just love that moment. Cause it, it was almost like Vinny had really, truly, he was really a part of the South now because yeah, yeah. an older adult man had questioned him and his respect, you know what I yeah. mean? And he had to defend it. And I thought it, there's nothing it's more like, yeah. Southern than that. You know? I knew you like, wouldn't let me, I knew you wouldn't let me come in with my, my leather jacket and, and black yeah. shirt. So I did this. So you either take that or this. Oh, this. But I, love the, <laughs> I love the part though, when it's like, go with the suit part was the second time he comes in the thing. It's like, didn't I tell you not to wear that? He's like, Oh, you were serious? Oh, you were serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. But do you know what I like, but do you know what I'm talking about? About yeah. how like, you know, like I feel like I just feel like in the South there's all this like you have like there's all these rules that you have to follow. And if you yeah. don't follow them, people think that you're disrespecting insulting them, them or yeah, insulting yeah. them or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, do you know how much effort it was to like bring you know what I mean to do yeah. this? And it's still whole, not enough whole, for you. Like the, you know, the whole like, suit shop gets the flu. Get it? The whole shoot, shoot shop. The whole place. Yeah, the whole place, whole place the is a as the flu. Yeah. So I have to go get this thing. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I like that. I mean, one that a lot of people quote a lot when they're at the hunting club. And it's, it's when, when Lisa does the, like, my biological clock is ticking. And she's, like, hits the she, she yeah. hits the ground like that. Um, but to me, just to go with her, is like she is... Even watching this time, I think she's hysterical for one. Yeah, like she's she does. She does have the best lines in the movie. She does. Uh, and she delivers them perfectly. And it's just even throughout. It's like, I can't remember some of the lines, but I know she would, I would just like, like laugh out loud at just the way she says something. Yeah, for sure. In this movie. And then, yeah, it kind of comes to a head when she goes on the stand. Yeah. And what that's I. That's my, that's my number one favorite scene for sure. It is. It's, yeah. It's the best scene. It's in the, the best film. scene. It's the, yeah. It's the best scene in the film. And and it's it's the reactions of of how Pesci and Tomei just have great chemistry together. They do, yeah. And the the characters of Vinny and Bill. Well, I love so funny. It's like at first she's just like Lisa's just like doesn't want to be there. Is she's like, super pissed me, off? Get yeah yeah. It's after the after that that conversation at the uh, cafe when he's like criticizing her pictures and yeah and how she was trying to help him after he said that he just wanted her to support him, then she does. And then he complains because she's supporting too. It's just all this stuff. Yeah. And so she's pissed. She wants to leave. And so she's trying to get, she's just being like difficult on the stand. And then it's that moment when she sees the picture and she now realizes what he's trying to do. Yeah. And, and it becomes this flirtatious romantic scene weirdly. Yeah, it does. It totally does. When they're playing back and there's forth. There's so much just, there's like sexual tension and there like is. there's a lot of like but it's and it's fun. It's like yeah. it's just the most it's the 
yeah, it's just the most fun scene, I think, in the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. like, can you be sure? And it's like, it's referencing back to- And how do you to, know? Like, and yeah. she's like, Let, I would love to tell to you. To tell you, know? you yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, goes, it goes back to that earlier scene that, again, I noticed this time when they're talking about the faucet uh, in, in the hotel, when he was talking about the drip. And she's yes. like, I looked at the manual. Or I looked, I looked at, the, at the manual. Magazine. Yeah. I used a, I used this much percentage of torque or whatever. And well, it becomes like this sexual thing. And it's like, okay, the argument's over. And what's really <laughs> funny about that is the, the you know, it, because when I watch movies like this and I see women, female characters in that, in that type of situation, I'm always like, yeah. God, why does she have to defend her knowledge of something or her understanding? But I didn't feel that way in this movie. There wasn't this like, like yeah. I felt like there was a purpose to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, typically women have to defend why they're smart or why they're intelligent or why their opinion yeah. is valid or whatever. I never felt like that was the case with this movie. Um, now there are probably a lot of like feminists, like film theory scholars out there who'd probably be like you're wrong this is terrible but i i don't i don't think that because i think it's very fitting with the character and with the film and what ultimately happens at the end of the movie because what we see is that's a part of that's a part of the plot right is that yeah, yeah. she's being questioned that they don't yeah. really think that she's kind of the surprise witness that comes in that that's totally another trope from this genre of this like let's yeah. bring in a surprise witness and it's yeah. someone who's been with us the entire time you know what i mean yeah. like you know so i think that i think that worked out almost and mm -hmm. i liked that they kind of played on that in the earlier scene uh, because I think then later when the, when, um, God, I keep forget Trotter, when Trotter, Trotter is yeah. questioning her, you know, or whatever. Yeah. When he's doing the voir dire, which is where it, he's like trying to see if she's an expert or not. It's yeah, really yeah. showing you the, the difference between this kind of flirtatious fun. Like I'm questioning you because I'm being kind of, uh, like we were talking about earlier, that banter, that kind of, yeah. you know, that they have that chemistry of, you know, they're always arguing or whatever. And it's kind of fun yeah. and flirtatious. Versus like Trotter, who is legitimately trying to prove that this girl doesn't know what she's talking about. And there's a difference there. So I kind of liked yeah. seeing that in these two scenes. And I even think too, when he, when, when Trotter does it, I also think he's, he's actually trying to be, it feels like he's also trying to be flirtatious in really? a way. Really? You think? Oh, I didn't well, pick up he, on that. Just because the way he does, like, I love to voir dire this witness oh, the way he yeah. kind of like says yeah, he it because early on early on i didn't even take that way early on i was just like what the hell is voir dire me now i know but <laughs> i love to voir dire this witness yeah and then he's kind of like he's trying to and then he's trying to put her wrong but it also like he's he's not taking her seriously it's like he, right. when he when he, right. when he pitches the like oh what would like the car do with this blah blah, blah. like if it has this 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 and this and she's like it's a bullshit question right like, is it bullshit because you can't answer it like it feels yeah it feels it feels just like a dude like and he gets really close to her like, he, he does really exactly yeah. like yeah like, like kind of kind of He's like right mocking in her face her. and she goes right back in his you know like that's his, that's his most villainous section yeah. right oh, there totally. trying yeah. does that and then she kind of proves him wrong and i love uh 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 the judge who's just like He's just kind of blown away by right. her when, like, she starts saying all this stuff, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, I'd he, love to hear this." Yeah, like, I love that line. The I want to hear yeah. this too. You know, like yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm interested in knowing. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, and again, because he again talking about the showmanship, he she is uh, caught his attention somewhat because of right. her knowledge of it all. But yeah, it's like once they get to kind of that banter back and forth, and everything kind of comes into play, and the and the pieces. The puzzle pieces all fall together. 
Like that's kind of the movie. Yeah, that's the I section agree. that like that's like this is the movie. The movie is these two together. Right. Uh and how well they are together. Absolutely. Ms. Vito, please answer the question. Does the defense's case hold water? No. The defense is wrong. Are you sure? I'm positive. How could you be so sure? Because there is no way that these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylark. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating opinion or fact? This is your opinion? It's a fact. I find it hard to believe that this kind of information could be ascertained simply by looking at a picture. Would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this. So would I. So Onset Life. So production began in Monticello, Georgia in February 1991. Uh, Lynn said they toured all around Georgia trying to find the right town with a courthouse exterior in a town square. They didn't look at Alabama because they said that there wasn't um, there wasn't much of a filming infrastructure there compared to Georgia. Not much has um, changed. I was just about to say, ouch. <laughs> if they only knew. A little too close uh, to home. A little too close to home <laughs> there. Uh, the cast and crew also would set up shop at a golf resort nearby in Greensboro, Georgia, now called Reynolds Lake Oconee. I don't know. I apologize uh-huh. for pronouncing it wrong. It was a country club that had yet to open, so the cast and crew stayed there during the entirety of filming, and the production office was housed at the country club's clubhouse. Um, and there's probably said, a plaque at that country club that says, probably, my, cousin my cousin Vinny, Vinny crew, cast and crew, yeah. cast and crew stayed here. Um, yeah. they, so they kind of became like, the, they kind of had full run of the property and they became a close knit group where they ate all their meals together. They like, I think Machio and uh, Whitfield like would go to Atlanta on the weekends to go shopping and hang out at the mall. That's kind um, of interesting. That's actually like that really mirrors kind of the Atlanta film industry now. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Because it is, it's so on location. Yeah. And that kind of happens. That's actually really cool. Go ahead. And so if you remember correctly in our home loan episode, uh, Pesci complained about the call time because he wanted to play golf every morning. And now he was actually staying at a golf resort. Oh my God. It was probably so much easier. It was like a dream come him. true. It's probably perfect for him. Yeah. He, I didn't find any reports on that, but I just realized that he, he loved playing golf. Because yeah. I know Bruce McGill, who plays the sheriff, was apparently golfing buddies with Pesci. Nice. And that's why, that's why he got the role in the oh, movie. Oh, that's hilarious. Because he was golfing buddies with Pesci. Sheriff Farley. Um, and so, so, yeah. So, one worry they had about the film was the age difference between Joe Pesci and Rich Tomei. <gasps> oh, hey. That comes up for me later. But go ahead. Yeah. We, yeah. Uh, they gave him a toupee and they put, like... <laughs> Like stuff under his toupee to pull his skin back to try to make him look younger. Um, Interesting. And it's because she was so much younger than 22 him. years. I looked it up. Yeah. I think she was yeah. like, yeah. 22 think, yeah. years. Yeah. So they, like, they know, they knew about it, but they were just trying their best to, like, how the hell do we make this work? Yeah. And it not be yeah. fully jarring. And so they really tried to, like, they died. Like, they had that toupee was just, like, jet black and everything. Um, so when it came to courtroom scenes, production shot in an already constructed set. So right before filming, the hit television show In the Heat of the Night, based on the Oscar-winning film from the 60s, had just wrapped shooting in Covington, Georgia. 
And in the show, they had a courtroom set. So the production moved into the already built set to film all the courtroom scenes there. Interesting. The, prob- the problem was that with this was that it was built in a warehouse and not a soundstage. Yeah, and, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, I know it, a few of those in, in yeah. Atlanta. <laughs> and Georgia. they said like they said it felt like the roof was made of tin because anytime it rains, <laughs> it was terrible for production sound. If you know if you're in the south, it's awful. it rains a lot. It's and it was in February and March, so it was pro- I mean it rains it rains yeah, all the time. All the time. Uh apparently one of the Funniest days on set for the cast and crew was when Austin Pendleton did his opening statements with the exaggerated stutter. I died. Uh, Mitchell Whitfield and Ralph Macchio said it was hard to watch without laughing, and apparently Pesci thought the same thing. Pendle, however, who was actually a a big stutter when he was growing up, Uh, hated hated playing the part. No. Um, And actually, he regrets playing it uh, this is a little bit of aftermath, but he regrets playing it uh, because it it basically actually everyone loved the part so much they thought he could never do anything better. So he said he only got cast in like one major movie after that role. Wow, that's because so no sad. one knew how to cast him. He apparently got a lot of letters from stutterers, people, stutterers who who felt upset by his performance. And I think he talked about how he got one from like a young, like ten year old boy, uh, about it. He wrote him back like, "Oh, like I had the, like, I was the stutterer, and I did this as a way to kind of like you have to get him with comedy and this and that." And yeah. apparently, it actually, it actually inspired the kid to talk more. Actually, okay. his his, okay. his communication with Pendleton because Pendleton got a letter from his mom later saying like, "Thank you for writing back to him." It- and- it, I think what made me laugh so hard was that it was so not what I was expecting. But yeah, it comes out of nowhere. It comes out of it nowhere. It does. It really does come out of nowhere. But yeah. I absolutely think that that, like, I validate all of that. That totally, I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, yeah, I've, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, for sure. Work, yeah. yeah. I felt like it was a part where I was like, yeah, I get, I, it's funny, but like, do you need it? Like, do you, like, yeah, it, no, and you yeah. don't. And there are other ways to do it, I think, you know, uh, to get the like, same effect. You yeah, and, and again, it's that that's part of like oh, well, I said earlier, I was like it overplays comedy sometimes, right? And yeah. that's kind of my way. And he and so Pendleton only took the role because he was friends with Jonathan Lynn, basically, right? Is why he took it. So anyway, while on set, veteran actor Fred Gwynn, famous for his performance as Herman Munster on The Munsters, took a liking to Mitchell Whitfield's Game Boy, which had just been released. <laughs> Um, Whitfield said that Fred would always hang out by the craft services table, never going back to his trailer, and he would just kind of stand around and sit and talk with people, oh, tell stories, tell stories to the cast and crew. So one day, Whitfield brought his new Game Boy and was playing Tetris, and Fred asked <laughs> if he could try it, and apparently he loved it. So you got to be next careful with sh- Tetris; it's addictive. It's an yeah, addictive game. So, so the next day, uh, Fred showed up with his own Game Boy playing Tetris. Uh, at the craft services table. Um, however, even though everything, everyone seemed to like the production and everything, there were some tensions that did rise between Joe Pesci and Jonathan Lynn. Pesci, it seems, would get frustrated with Lynn's direction, uh, occasionally taking him aside and yelling at him for some certain choices he made. Oh, uh, at one day, one day, Pesci got so annoyed that he left the set and they had to shoot around him not being there. Um, as but, your veteran yeah. Pesci, 
expert apparently <laughs> um, same, yeah. I, yeah i remember us talking about this on home alone and me being shocked yeah. to learn that yeah that's a little disappointing so it sounds like get... it's it's a consistent thing then so yeah, it's a little it's disappointing opposite, it's the opposite of like we talked about last week with a few good men like nicholson uh, that kind of person determines the tone of the set yeah for sure and it's it sounds like that everyone was so close-knit in general that frustrations which happen because everyone's like it's a workplace it happens yeah, sure. like and it's exhausting gonna, it's, it's hours blow. of you work gotta, you gotta think you're in you're in the south you're in a you're it's in a hot. warehouse it's hot like i think yeah. machio and whitfield said that like they never seen someone sweat as much as joe pesci when he's up there like do, doing his scenes the case. yeah they said they say he was sweating more than three people combined just they said yeah and so like he's probably frustrated i'm not yeah. gonna give him like an, an out but like, he's probably frustrated um and but he apparently he wasn't all that all that bad apparently he kind of took marissa may under his wing and yeah. kind of helped her to make sure she kind of like was prepared i guess for it and like they worked together a lot on their chemistry and trying to like rehearse a lot together um he also during the time of filming he won the oscar for goodfellas um and so he brought the oscar to set for everyone to see and like hold oh, wow. and, and take pictures for that's pretty cool um but they said when it got to the final scene between Tomei and Pesci on the stand, everyone knew this was the best part of the movie. Right. Be- because you got to think, this is probably the only time in the film, which is hard to believe, that the rest of the cast got to see how good yeah, they were, were together. together. Yeah. Because they've, they're they never in the courtroom no. together. They're always off, like, doing other in, the scene, hotel, in the, hotel, yeah. in the hotels together. cabin or, yeah. Yes. So at the restaurant, now, yeah. So when they got into the room, everyone was just like, "Damn, they're good." Yeah, like they yeah. said, it was like watching just two masters go back and yeah. forth. They had with great chemistry. Band. Yeah, they did. And I think I think Machio kind of said like these two were destined to play these two roles. Yeah, it was magical sure. basically. Yeah. And so with all that, filming would wrap in April 1991, and they would move into post production, which brings us to the film's aftermath. And so the initial cut for the film ran at around two hours and the studio wanted to cut it down to 90 minutes. They mm. felt that it could, it, or Lynn felt that if they cut any of the film setup, it would damage the film's finale. And you're probably wondering, well, Brandon, it's not 90 minutes. You're correct. It's not. It is two hours. Yeah. Because Fox would hold a test screening for the film to see what wasn't working. And Lynn said when they showed the film, it was an absolute success with huge laughs and applause coming from the audience. Once it was over, Fox told him not to make a single change to the movie. Interesting. The film would be released on March 13th, 1992, almost a year after the film's production. M- many believed that Fox was too focused on promoting some of their other films, their more high-profile films at the time, like Basic Instinct with Sharon Stone and Michael Douglas, or Alien 3, the sequel in the popular Alien franchise, Wayne's World, which was apparently very popular at the box office at that time. So My Cousin Vinny kind of went under the radar in terms of marketing, mm. and it actually overperformed in its opening weekend. I think it grossed $7 million in its opening weekend. Wow. It ended up grossing $64 million worldwide against an $11 million budget, which is respectable. Yeah, sure. Now, screenwriter Dale Lawner believed that it didn't do well in the south because of the film's trailer mm. i said this i said this earlier they used the scene when stan and bill are on the phone at the police station 
instead Stan says the clans here they're inbred they sleep with their sisters yeah that's the and worst that line in the, the part- whole yeah I mean not the worst that, it's not the worst line in the whole movie but it's the worst in terms of it's the of, most stereotypical yeah. line stereotypical, in the whole yeah, movie yeah and so Dale believed that that actually shut off the entire no one would see it in the south because yeah. of that line is what he believed yeah um and but it was like doing like big numbers in New York so they believed they did he believes they didn't have that line in the trailer it would have been a bigger hit box office wise in the South because it was taking place in the South. Um, But the criticism for the film uh, was positive to mixed. Roger Ebert gave it two and a half stars while many critics believed the characters to be too stereotypical and kind of the comedy to be too outlandish. Yes. But the film would be a major hit on home video and cable. Some actually believe that home video was the reason that Marissa Tomei won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for her portrayal of Mona Lisa Vito in 1992. Apparently, it was the first year where Oscar voters received VHS screeners for the films that were up for awards that year. Interesting. They said, well, mostly everyone was out trying to go watch the movies that were in theaters. My cousin Vinny was the one that everyone was watching at home because it came out so early. Right. So they believed because of that that had an effect where they were watching it it was they're watching it more i guess because of it um, interesting and there was more talk around her so this year is the film's 30th anniversary and many still consider it to be one of the most accurate if not the most accurate courtroom drama of all time i have talked with several lawyer friends of mine who say it's actually the truest movie in terms of how it captures a courtroom mm. and several major law publications and law figures including several former Supreme Court justices and judges uh, have said it's the best courtroom movie of all time. Wow. It's, con- it's constantly, praise. yeah, it's constantly used in law classes across the country for things that deal with the criminal case or if you're a defense attorney, it has become a staple on television and the cast still has people quote lines of the movie to him or to them. Or in Ralph Macchio's case, they give him cans of tuna to sign, uh, which is what he <laughs> stole in the film's opening. Uh, he apparently still has the can of tuna. That's that, awesome. That was in the movie. I love but it. Appa- That's cute. Appa- apparently, one person asked in the side cantuna that said, "I shot the clerk." Oh no! And he, and he was like, "Can I add a que- as long as I can add a question mark to it?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll do it. That's cute. And so, and so, while the film was only a small box office hit with only slightly positive reviews, its legacy has lasted longer than many of the movies from its era have. So. There you go. A lot of that stuff came from Rolling Stone. They did a whole oral history on it, so that's where a lot of that information came from. But yeah, so let's move into what worked about this film, Amy. Um, so should we just go ahead and talk about some of the? I'm going to talk about some of the stuff we've already kind of covered, so we can just get it out yeah, of the yeah. way. Yeah. 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 So the southern, some of the southernisms. So I have the southernisms. Spoiler alert: in what worked and what didn't work. So yes, it's a you mix. know, yes. yeah, it's definitely a mixed thing. Um, but I think that what did work. Um, so the southernisms that did work for me were the grits line. Uh, when the guy says no good southerner uses instant grits i love that line and i love the whole conversation about grits um you know i i I mean yes it's kind of stereotypical it's kind of like if you're gonna pick a southern food grits is like the go-to or whatever but they at least got it right you know they got the whole like every conversation surrounding grits i felt was accurate and and it felt right um you know i also really liked uh you know there's this moment in 
when they're talking about grits when uh, the witness is on the stand and you know he says the line like you know the something about grits or whatever um Vinny says uh he says you know yeah i like grits you know and i yeah. li- i liked that because i think what's interesting is this movie really kind of showed people i don't know if it showed people but it, to me it one of the things that it says as an overall story is like we're more alike than we're dislike, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I liked the I liked that southernism of like here's grits and 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 Vinny's kind of come around to him, you know? He's like, yeah, I like yeah, them. Yeah. They're cool, you know. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like again, it's saying like like Lisa talking about the being stuck in like stuck in the mud in Alabama. It's right. like they've it's become a part of them because I think I think with them, I don't. I don't know if there's really judgment towards the people around them by like where they're from. Does that make yeah, sense? It's I like, thought, I, I mean, there's a couple of moments. I, I think that you might be right. I don't necessarily know that there's judgment. There's certainly fascination, but not judgment necessarily. Yeah. You know, maybe like, early on when they first get there, but yeah. not, not as they get she later is on. taking photos of them, like their curiosities in some sort of like, you know, oh, I love Barbara. Show, she's she's you know? like, what are you, when she goes in, what are you a fucking world traveler? Yeah. When, when he's like saying what all's like not there. Yeah. You look like a tourist. What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> so one of the other things I thought in the Southernisms category that worked was Fred Gwynn's accent. I thought that he did a great job. Um, yes. He was born, I looked it up, he was born in New York. New York. Yeah, yeah. But he spent a lot of time in Florida and South Carolina, apparently. The majority of his childhood oh. was spent in Florida and South Carolina. And so I think that that really helped his accent um, be mm. a little bit more authentic. And I thought... Um, one of the things that worked speaking of him was the casting of Fred Gwynn because yeah. it was the, cause he had the, you know, with being Herman Munster, like he's got this, like he he's, he's an intimidating presence. He's kind of foreboding. He's got a long yeah. face. He's got that yeah. darkness under his eyes. Like he's got this, he, he holds uh, gravitas. He holds weight. And so I liked that casting a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought that his accent was great. Um, and then the last thing, and this is a Southernism thing, but I think it fits in with the genre really well, is procedure over substance, um, which is kind of my brief way of saying, I think in the South, like one of the things that a lot of times happens is we use procedure over, uh, we use it almost as a scapegoat sometimes, like the, the law of the land kind of becomes more mm-hmm. important than what's actually happening underneath the surface. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's how a lot of Southern people get away with not talking about what really is going on on or what really mm-hmm. matters or things like that and i think they captured that in this movie um there were a lot of times where you know it was clear that the procedure and the process was most important but what i liked about the movie is that at the end of the day what mattered was uh innocence and what what really and the truth and the verdict as yeah. you know so i liked that um because even though yeah. i think as southerners we tend to lean into that procedure and that process sometimes um at the end of the day, I think that the the truth wins out, if that makes any sense. So no, I think that's key with actually this movie is that every character is after after the truth, right? In some way, if it's sure. the sheriff, if it's Jim Trotter, uh, if it's the judge, like yeah, absolutely with, with, Sher- with Sheriff Farley, it's like he ends up being the one who gets the 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 information on the car, the Pontiac Tempest. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Cause he's like, oh, I don't do your work. He's like, hey, look, I got 15 minutes. Like, yeah, I got, wait, I got help me, minutes. man. Yeah. Help me out. And he's like, okay. And then it's like Southern hospitality, he, right there. When, when he <laughs> when he runs it, it's like he finds what he's looking for. He's like, oh, on a hunch, I ran yeah. this, and so like he that becomes a big part. And Trotter's just after the truth as well, right? Because 
it's yeah, I think, that, and they don't really talk about this as much, but like this is this local person who's been shot and murdered right. in their town. Yeah, and yeah. they think it could be these two kids who travel through and sure. they have sure. they have stuff in it and all that stuff. But like, so they're just all after the truth. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and and it, it kind of it actually kind of that's what they we'll talk about and what didn't work. But like, there's some stuff that gets forgotten. But I do think the niceties and the you know things like that, like in the South, like yeah. we want the truth, but we want it with niceties, and we want it yeah, to yeah, be yeah. you know what I mean. There's a way we go about that. There's a very you know like you don't just um you know you don't just jump into something and go at it and like a lot of emotion or a lot yeah. of whatever. Like you have to. There's a process. There's a procedure. Yeah. Not to sound like Coach Saban, but there's a process, Brandon. There's a yeah, process. Yeah. You know? There's a process. Big process. <laughs> there's a process. Yeah. So yeah, and and then just in general, but yeah, Fred Fed Gwen. Like I, I I read that Jonathan Lynn actually didn't want him for the role. Oh my gosh, and really? He wanted a Wilfred Brimley, who was who was great. But, <laughs> I like Wilfred Brimley. But, yeah. But but they, he apparently I said when he did the first when Gwen did the first take, he did it like Herman Munster. And oh, Lynn was like mortified. And he's like, I don't want to be hundred months ago. Oh, I thought you did. He goes, okay, I won't do that. And that's when you get the performance he gives in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. but but I think sometimes I think I think it was Bruce McGill that said, like, one of them said in the Rolling Stone article that like, oh, Lynn always wanted Wilford Brimley, who was great, but yeah. I think Gwen Gwen was great for the role. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and again, just the key point is that it's that Pesci and Tomei are specifically her but they're fantastic together i have that in what work too yeah they're and just she, great she's just phenomenal like, I, I love marista may and almost anything she does yeah um and i think she's a, especially just like kind of your first big movie role yeah she'd and be great yeah you did, you, yeah and you're going up against like joe pesci who at this point yeah. is like one of the biggest that's intimidating like, that's scary yeah. yeah and she doesn't back down she no. totally meets him if not mm -hmm. exceeds him in fact not I agree. In, yeah yeah i think she, she does yeah. I, I think she does yeah um and and yeah it's like she just she she comes out of the gate like despite the 22 amazing. year age difference <laughs> she kills yes. it yeah she kills it and the, we'll talk about that what didn't work but yes it's like yeah, she's fantastic, and they're they're fantastic here. So let's let's on. What did not work? They did not work about this movie. Well, um, yes, <laughs> sure. Um, so I feel like the cliche portrayal of both Italians and Southerners. There were some moments I didn't love. Yes, um, yes. there were two, like, like crazy. This is so maybe minor to some people. The thunder in the scene when they're in the like and they're in the car and it's like and they show like the lightning and it's like everywhere i was like no that it's crazy like thunder and lightning is crazy in the south that yeah that's that a, that's a was, severe thunderstorm that was like right that was something else that was thor himself was like i don't know yeah, like yeah. that was a lot and um and then my what did not work for me what the hell kind of owl was that uh oh, that was the like the owl. screech owl i was like that it like There's threw me off. That. I was like, I was like, There's a bit for that. Hold on. I don't, oh my God. Huh. There's a bit for that. Apparently that was like, let me find out what it was. There was something about that owl. Cause I, it was when they're, when they're, it's when they're out. Um, they're out in, in the, the car. car. Yeah. So there was a bit, I think that was like, let's see. What, what did he read? Yeah. Their Eastern, Eastern screech owl in the scene in the woods was a real owl that had a little prior trank so it wouldn't be scared away by the gunfire. I'm reading this from IMDb. Yeah. Um, the, cr the crew got to open its mouth by giving it little pieces of beef. 
and artificially induced screeches were added to the film in post-production. Yeah, you can tell. The, Al- the Al's reaction to Vinny shooting the gun was authentic and needed only one take. Uh, so, yeah. I just, I don't know what kind of screech that was that they added, <laughs> but it was terrible. It was awful. Yeah. Um, can I say one more? Yeah. Because those are all kind of like, you know. Small. Small yeah. things we did. But the big one for me was... Bits were too long, and I feel like they needed yep. to cut fat. The editing needed to be a that lot tighter half. in the yeah, first, half. first half. Like, yep. we just needed to get to places faster. Um, yep. And especially, like, these are fast-talking New Yorkers, right? Like, so why did these conversations move so slowly? Um, yeah. So I just felt like, you know, and I felt like the comedy didn't land because of it. Like, I feel like the punches, it needed it needed to be punched up a little bit. And I think editing yeah. and and would have helped it a little bit. So. Yeah, I, 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 I thought I was like, wow, I was because like, I, I forgot, again, how long it takes to get the courtroom. And then just that first half just feels like it's not vignettes, but it somewhat feels like we're just in like specific stories pieces. almost. Yeah. Stories, it's like, yeah. It's like, it's, it's like all these little pieces and we can't really figure out how they work together. Yeah. You know? And I know it's like, basically it's about showing kind of Vinny get like accustomed to the Alabama life right, in sure, some way. Sure. But like, yeah, I, I, I thought there were probably like too many like moving places or whatever. Where they yeah, moved the from bar sequence and the hotel, yeah, the bar, and yeah. the hotel, like, yeah, I just they, didn't need all that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think I think that first hour really didn't need as much. Like, yeah, the guy with the money, with the guy who like, um, who's who who she hustles the pool table, pool hall. That becomes like a reoccurring bit that I don't know if we really need as a reoccurring yeah. bit. Um, you could just have that be like really one moment, or even made. Two, it's just, it's just yeah, it just felt unnecessary. Yeah, but they go from one hotel to another hotel. And also to like sleeping in a car to yeah. at the, it's just, it's a lot of stuff and they and then i do like the payoff of that bit where he's like i mean it's still starts up but like he's sleeping in the prison and like gets a great night's sleep yeah or whatever. yeah yeah but it's funny. like it's it's not the rule of three so right. what should have been was like they should have done two of those things where and i don't think they'd be switching back and forth but there's two or three of those things and then you have it have the the prison bit but i think it's just it's like there's too much of like they're in the hotel. They move to the hotel. There's two nights at the hotel where the train goes off. Yeah. They move to the hunt. They, they sleep out in the car. They move out to the the hunting cl- the hunting cabin. Yeah. It's just a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's just a and lot. There's a it. lot of movement, and it just felt like it was unnecessary. Um, I agree. And and I think they underused Ralph Macchio a lot. Actually. Oh my God! Yes. I think I think those guys like it's just weird. Like we, we like have drop Ralph them Mach- off. Like and then they're yeah. done. Like they're in jail and then they're in jail and we don't know really. Yeah. Like they don't even speak in no. most of the movie. Like the the last yeah. two, the, the second and third act, like they barely even show yeah. up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I the one storyline that that I get what they're trying to do. Norton. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I knew it. I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm with you. Like they were. It was like raising the stakes. Yeah, it's like oh, they're gonna they're they could they're be electrocuted. electrocuted. Yeah, yeah, and then it just kind of goes away when when Norton gets electrocuted, who we never see. We never. I don't know if we ever hear what he actually did. Yeah, we don't know. Um, we don't know anything about it. It's just the flicker of the lights, and they're like, and yeah. that's Norton. What I, I don't even remember yeah. the line, but I just thought, yeah. tell me that's Norton. Tell me yeah. that is gonna play a part in this movie in yeah. some way, but it doesn't. And then they have and they have like them like outside with the picketing for Norton yeah. or whatever. It just feels like that could be. As I say, we as I cut stuff, and the this is like it feels like that's like teetering the line between like full blown dramedy or drama and full blown comedy. Yeah, where like 
you don't know like where it lands where it's it's, it's really dark yeah um i have and, and yeah, they just don't really yeah they don't really do anything with it and i have the line in my what didn't work is movie couldn't decide what it wanted to be or what it wanted to say at the end of the day and i think it kind of plays into what you were just saying like it couldn't yes. really decide like is this serious are we making a statement is this about italian americans and southerners and how those like are new yorkers yankees and southerners and how they get along is yeah, this yeah. about you know like uh you know profiling and or like witness you know tampering witness like you know like yeah like steroids. i just I, I i think that for me at the end of the day like that's my takeaway from this movie that's the biggest takeaway is that i just i don't know that it could ever decide what it wanted to be you know yeah i i thought it was from the tone like with the tone of it in moments because like i they were using like some i think the camera movement was good in the courtroom but there's times that they're using like these very exaggerated dutch angles in moments yeah yeah I thought and i was, was just weird. like i was like why are we doing this where it's like anytime, anytime like, the sheriff or the police officer it was a canted angle and you're like why, why yeah. are we doing this i don't I understand like, yeah yeah, also, I know you're trying to like create drama, but you're shooting the rest of this as a com as a comedy in some yeah. way. Yeah. And like they even they even do it when like when um when they bring in the expert for um uh the tires, the FBI. The tires, like, yeah. yeah. I'm blanking out, I'm blanking out Wilbur, the actor's name. Mr. Wilbur. Yeah, yes. You know James, why I know that? Because my James cat's Reborn. name is Wilbur. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Shout who's, out. Who's looking Who's looking at us right now in the, yeah. in the Zoom? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him. James James Reborn uh, was the actor who's who was a great actor, but yeah, it's like it's like it just it just feels like oh he's like oh he's a villain yeah and like but he's yeah. not he's just doing not his really. job yeah um but yeah that part I I already spoke on kind of the Pendleton stuff I don't really it, it's exaggerated the stuttering, to point. yeah yeah it's it's a lot I I just feel like it's a bit that like I get it and sure like it's funny but like I don't. I don't know. It I wouldn't have flown today, and honestly, oh, no. and, like, and they, and they all, and they, and they all talk about that in the Rolling Stone article. Like, yeah, you couldn't get this get biased today. Yeah, like it was fun. Like, it was funny, and it was and funny I, on set. I very rarely react uh, in that way. Like, I'm usually, I'm usually on the more cautious than not cautious side in terms of like when I think something is like, and I, I'm. I think what it is is it's that moment of uh, this is so not what I expected and it just completely came out of the blue and I just feel like there could have been again I said this earlier like I just think there could have been something else yeah that achieved the same like what if his what if his voice started cracking because he was so nervous or you know what well, I mean like did it have to be a stutter I don't think it yeah, had to be a stutter it, 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 like it, it could have been it, like him trying to like read read his speech off the 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 his paper or whatever and he's getting like mixed up or something yeah right like it and just, and that could cause a stutter right but like but to just do it like where he's like the movements and like banging on a table to it's just it's feels it's a lot yeah it's a lot it's a that lot. comes on that comes out of nowhere well and one of my criticisms is in general the bits go on too long Right, yes, like, and that's I thought, the same I thought that thing. Bit went on too and long. that's yes. one of, the, and I feel that way about this one. Like, it's like yeah. the shock got me, but then it went on too long. You know what I mean? And yes. then you're just making fun of people, and that's like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and, and that's that's why I felt with it. I just right. felt like it was it was being it was the one time where it actually like it was being somewhat mean spirited in a way. Yeah. Um. So that's me. You might disagree, people who are listening. You might think it's hysterical, and that's. Fine. A I, lot of people I did. initially laughed and I'm feeling yeah. like I'm really like it, questioning. I'm like, like, man, I am usually so like no. aware, but like I did laugh. But I think, again, I mean, it's that yeah. it shocked me. Like it was kind of and, that, you know. And yeah, I, I laughed, too. But then it was just like it it went on. Right. And it became so exaggerated 
where he's like having to it's it's like because you can like, like we i've seen the king's speech they handle setter in a way that like it's right it's, they right, do right. it in a certain way where like it's it's not trying to be above a joke but there could be some some comedy to it but this one just felt like it comes out of nowhere and he's really like hitting it like doing the over the top like banging right. on the on the court on the, yeah. on the wood or whatever it's just a lot yeah i agree um anything else anything not work um I mean, I think we've already gone over it. I will say one thing that we haven't really talked about um, that you kind of touched on a minute ago um, mm-hmm. is the random times they use <laughs> uh, camera movement did not yeah. work for me. It was not consistent okay. and it felt weird. Like it was like there was one, there was only one time when I really liked it and I, it almost felt like a procedural show. You know, when you like come back from a, a commercial break and we kind of, there's movement into the scene and then we're kind of, yeah. you know, we're static and we're with them in that, you yeah. know what I mean? So there were a couple of moments that felt like that, but without the commercial breaks, it felt like just random, you know? Um, okay. So like, for example, when they're first, um when they're first getting questioned and everything and billy is in the uh sheriff's office and sheriff farley is like you know going over it at first you know they come up over the door and into the office and like yeah it, and again that felt very like something we would see at the start of like a it, you know coming back from a commercial break on a tv procedural we're kind of coming into it but it didn't mm-hmm. work for me in the movie um and then like the movement on uh Vinny when he's like calling out for lisa she's like running away way like there were just some moments where it just it for me it was almost like whoa that like totally pulled me out um i don't know other people maybe it worked for them for me it just it didn't work for me the ones i took note of more were like the i thought the ones in the courtroom were handled well with how they moved the camera there yeah Um, sure because there was one kind of cool part where uh in terms of transitioning we're like i can't remember who it was on the stand but someone's on the stand I know what you're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. It was someone was someone on the stand, and they cut to uh, Jim Trotter and Sheriff Farley, and it looks like it's a reaction to what's been said. But then the camera, like, basically it it, uh, it dollies or tracks the left, and it's Pesci now talking to someone else. It was just kind of a cool little transition what they did with. Oh, the that's movement not what and, I thought. Okay, maybe and cutting. What were you, what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking there was one moment in the in the courtroom that I did like where they did some camera movement, and it looked like maybe it was something like on a jib or something, where the camera was like up higher, uh, and yes. they moved forward over the jury and up yes. towards Trotter as he's like you know, and I liked. I think it might have even been in the opening statement, and I when I think, he's giving yeah, his opening was, statement, yeah. and I liked that because yeah. you know I felt like it was pulling us into the drama and you know um a word we've used a lot today the showmanship of trotter yeah, yeah. what he's doing and it kind of felt like it was moving with that so i did actually i did like that one i think yeah. that and i think that's kind of maybe that's what i'm saying is it's it it's uh it's not that it, they all didn't work it was just hit or miss for me like yeah, it was yeah. like some of that's these fair. risks like i liked them some are not risks yeah. necessarily but some of these things i liked some of them i just yeah. i they they took me out of it or i didn't like them as much yeah. so that's fair that's fair. And that goes to the tone of the movie, too. Sure. That goes back to that. Um, all right, so film facts. So there were talks for several years about a sequel to this movie. Interesting. Um, originally, the idea that there was going to be a sequel with Vinny practicing law in England <laughs> and and that Lisa has gotten arrested somehow. <laughs> uh 
and she's the one that's like, I don't know if he's defending her, but she's got arrested somehow. So Vinny uh, has to like do it without her, and he's I don't know why he's in England. Apparently, Tomei dropped out, and then the the Dale uh, Dale the writer was like, "Well, we'll just recast her." And they're like, "We can't recast her. It's like she won an Oscar for this. Right? Just give him a new girlfriend." Oh God! And no. and so I think they did that, and then the studio hired a different writer to write a script for it. Apparently they gave it to Pesci and Pesci hated it. So that kind of stopped all projects or all discussions for it. Um, and then recently a novel series popped up uh, in 2017 that, and also I think the reason why the sequel never got made is that Pesci and, and Tomei were not fully interested in like doing a sequel yeah. to it because they felt it was kind of a good ending yeah. for it. Now I could see them being like they become like a because that's kind of the hint at the end when she's like oh my god think of you having to like thank, thank someone, someone at the end of every, every case time. Yeah. and I was like oh is this going to be like there? it's going to be like a, a duo where like there, she's like a detective <laughs> in a way and he's, yeah. he's the lawyer um, but yeah so that a novel series uh, cropped up in 2017 um, that's in the spirit of the, the Thin Man series which is a detective series from the 30s which is very similar to what I'm kind of talking about, where it's like it's 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 a it's a couple who were being investigators in some way, and so there was apparently a book called uh, Back to Brooklyn, which is a sequel to My Cousin Vinny. Then there was another one called Wing and a Prayer. Um, so there's been like two or three books of this for this series. So yeah, really, wow, yeah, okay, who knew? So maybe there's a future for My Cousin Vinny elsewhere. Uh, Joe Pesci, I don't know if you knew this, but Joe Pesci, as you're a Joe Pesci person here, apparently. <laughs> Uh, Joe Pesci was a lounge singer before he was an actor. Wow. And I'd go so see in, that act. In 1998, <laughs> he released an album called Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just For You. <laughs> and it's a it's a lounge singing album when he's in the but he's playing the character of Vinny. Fantastic. Uh so, I would yeah. watch that movie. I would watch Vinny becomes a lounge Vinny. singer. <laughs> And is an old lounge singer. Yeah, yeah. and Lisa so, yeah. plays the piano, and yeah. Vinny actually lays on the piano. Like, you know, I think that would be great. Yeah. yeah that's so, yeah. Awesome. So, I, I don't know why he's like, I'm going to do an album, but I'm going to do it as Vinny. It just, yeah, yeah. I love that. So, apparently, I didn't get good reviews. Um, <laughs> is it is it on Spotify? Is my question. Hold on. I'm going to find this out. Oh, this is an important thing that we're doing Vincent here. Vincent LaGuardia. It is. Yes. All right, so tomorrow I'm going to listen to this album on the way to work and then go home and watch The Karate Kid. Oh my god, there there is there there is a Yo Cousin Vinny in English, a Yo Cousin Vinny in Italian and a Yo Cousin That's Vinny in incredible. Spanish. Well, wow, he wow. even has a Christmas he has had a Christmas song on here. I got to listen to this. Yeah. It sounds, sounds great. Sounds like a hit. Sound, I think great. on your next podcast you should review the album. Review it, yeah. <laughs> um uh let's see. Okay, so there's a rumor going around when Marissa May won the Oscar that they actually said the wrong name. <gasps> what? Uh, I, it's not true, but they said that like they believe that Jack Palance accidentally said Marissa May's name and said the actual work because people were so shocked that this young actress won. I think is why, and they came oh. this rumor that like, oh, they read the wrong name, and actually I think discredits kind of how good she was in it. But yeah, yeah, they, they it totally like, does. Like, that oh. undermines her brilliance, yeah. to be honest. But and, whatever. And then, and then they realized with the Moonlight Jeez. La Land situation in 2016 that like. If they would have announced the name wrong, they'd had someone run out and say they've announced the name wrong. Right. So yeah. it wasn't possible. But in the early internet days, there was the rumor that it was it was someone else. Yeah. 
Um, it was Fred Gwynn's last role wow. before he pa- passed away in 1993. It was also, sad. it was also uh, Pauline Myers who plays the the woman with the glasses. It was her last movie as well. Oh, she would pass away in 1996. I liked her. 80- Age of 83. Um, that was her last movie. She had been working since the fifth, the forties is what it wow. was. Um, I want to say it was the forties. Yeah. Third, 1938 was her first role. Apparently it says, it says on online. Um, yeah, that was the film facts. Okay. On to awards. The Beatrice Strait award actor, actress, limit scenes that kills it. Um, I had Austin Campbell Pendleton. Um, I thought that he so, was great. Austin Pendleton, even even with the stutter. Austin Pendleton, um, yeah. I mean, I think so. I think he carries. I, him, I think he carries yeah. himself, um, even in this. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I think that I liked the way. I think, I think part of what pulled that off was his confidence as he walked up to the stands, and I thought that was really funny. Like, I actually liked that almost his like cockiness, and then the way he sits down and he's yeah, yeah. like, "What? I'm getting better." Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that, I, that was like, that, that was he, that was a good button to his, yeah. Like, what? I've gotten better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I I think I liked I liked him, um, and I I think maybe I'm a little bit biased. I just really like him in general too. So do I. So do yeah. I. I love Austin Pendleton. So. Like, I wish he did get like more roles yeah um, i also had sheriff farley on here as a possible winner for the beatrice Strait award um yeah i love bruce mcgill too yeah it's great character actors all around uh because i think mcgill counts i think as i love lane smith who's trotter i think he's more in supporting technically yeah i i had him in supporting in my mind so um but no i think i think i think austin villain's fine because i also like when he like meets wheatfield uh whitfield at first or yeah stan at first yeah um and kind of when they're coming and i like that yeah when that part when like everyone's kind of like thinking Vinny's this person who like he's like inexperienced doesn't know what he's doing when he's like uh whatever he said was yeah. bullshit like and he's yeah. sleeping or whatever <laughs> but then like yeah even austin pillman's like not paying attention when it's time for his time to go right um and so yeah so i i i, I like pendleton we'll give it to pendleton tipton i see you wear eyeglasses sometimes well would you care to show those eyeglasses to the jury please thank you Thank you. Now, Mr. Tipton, were you wearing the mat day? No. Well, as you see, <laughs> you were 50 feet away. You made a positive eyewitness identification. And, 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 and yet, you were not wearing your necessary prescription eyeglasses. They're reading glasses. Next one, the Annie Potts X Factor Award Supporting Actor Actress is the most memorable in the movie. Fred Gwynn. Interesting. So, are you counting Marissa Tomei as, as a co-lead? Yeah, co-lead. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Because that was my that was my question. Yeah. Um, Fred Gwynn for me. Okay. For supporting. For sure. I, I, yeah, I like him in this. I like Lane Smith as well for Jim Trotter, but Fred Gwynn has a... He's stoic. Yeah. And authoritative but i love that turn at the end where it's almost sweet yes when he when he finds out like it's very southern when he, when he hits the, when, yeah that's yeah, true very when southern he finds, yeah when he fights finds out the quote-unquote truth about uh uh vincent callow or uh, yeah. whatever um and he's just like it was an honor having you in my you, yeah you, you in my courtroom when, or whatever. when some lose some. some yeah yeah i like it's like 
Yes, and, and the kind of wave that he gives when they're leaving and yeah. everything. It's and I sweet. liked his. Um, I loved. I think I said this earlier, but I just I loved the part when he he was talking uh, when she's giving her testimony, and yeah. he he's like, "Yeah, I could think I want to hear this too." You know, like I yeah. just I thought he he just pulled that off really well, and I thought he captured. Yeah. He captured Southern Judge really well, um, yeah. and for me that that made him the most memorable supporting yeah. actor. And I think I read that him and him and Pesci were good friends before the movie too. But the, oh, but the oh. scene the scene that the scene that I love too that's kind of funny is that, is that when he's playing chess, and and <laughs> yeah. Pesci Pesci actually knocks over. Apparently that was yeah. not planned. It just happened. But his reaction is so great. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. There's that, and apparently Pesci also ad libbed the uh, when they're doing the the glasses, and and yeah. he goes like, "Let the witness is holding too," and he's like, "Your Honor," and he's like. Now, Mrs. Riley. Yes. And oh, yes. only Mrs. Mrs. Riley. Riley. Apparently, yeah. that line was an ad lib that he yeah. did, and it's a great reaction shot. The the, the Fred Green was like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Sorry. Like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he just kind of like looks like how dare. But I mean, also like kind of upset yeah. that he's like pointing him out. Right. Um. Yeah. We'll go with Fred Gwynn. I, I I love Fred Gwynn, and I don't know if he'll win another one for one of our movies. I think yeah. He's been in enough. So let's go with him. Is it possible to two youths? To what? Uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. All right. The Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie director, actor, actress, etc. Marissa Tomei. Yep. Yeah. She just, I, 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 she just, she killed it, and it's I think a, this is it's a, it's a star-making movie. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a exa- that is exactly what it is. And for it to yeah. for her to have been so young, and for this to be early on, like that's just like I mean, and she's acting. It's like we talked about earlier. Acting is all of the you know Joe Pesci and all these people. Like I just think she's she's phenomenal. She holds her own weight. She, mm-hmm. I love her delivery. I think it's a creative take, and I think she puts her own spin on the character while being true to the script. And I think she she nails her comedic delivery, and um, yeah, just I liked her, and she for yeah. me she she kept moving it. And honestly, without her, they wouldn't have won. I, you know, yeah, the plot it, doesn't resolve without oh, her. Yeah. Like you know, I just so. I think I said the movie wouldn't have been good without her. Yeah, uh, but yes, I agree with that too. Yeah. Is that without her, yeah. the, the plot the plot wouldn't have occurred. They wouldn't have won. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think the rumors that that, that or I, I read that like technically. Vinny could go up on the stand and be a witness since he also knows the to same himself. knowledge that she knows. It's yeah, it was, I, I read this up uh, like what they could have done legally, nah. what was what was possible. But it's much better for her going up there um to yeah. get that banter between them. You know, I think I think she steals every scene she's in. I think she's someone like Vinny that she's underestimated, maybe even more so, because even though I think even though I think he knows that she's smart, I think he underestimates her to a degree as well yeah um or at least doesn't give her enough credit Vinny doesn't yeah yeah how of how intelligent she is yeah like, not until the end if, yeah i don't know if he underestimates her i just don't think he gives her enough credit um because i think because i think he knows she's smart because he kind of says at the beginning when they're like she knows everything she there, there's no about cars yeah is what she says yeah. early on when about the mud stuff um but no yeah i'll go i i, I agree i yeah. think she's fantastic Marissa may gene hackman mvp 
What are you nervous about? I'm the one that's under the gun here. The trial starts tomorrow. You want to know what I'm nervous about? I'll tell you what I'm nervous about. I am in the dark here with all this legal crap. I have no idea what's going on. All I know is you're screwing up, and I can't help. You lent me a little camera, didn't you? Oh, Finny, I'm watching you go down in flames, and you're bringing me with you, and I can't do anything about it. And? Well, I hate to bring it up because I know you got enough pressure on you already. But we agreed to get married as soon as you won your first case. Meanwhile, ten years later, my niece, the daughter of my sister, is getting married. My biological clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. Final questions. Uh, if this was remade today, who would you cast? I'm going to start with my... I have three. I have Vinny, Mona okay. Lisa, and the judge. And Judge uh, Holler. Yeah. Uh so for the judge I went with Tommy Lee Jones I like that I just think he yeah. carries the same that uh, makes sense. kind of you know mm -hmm. energy yeah no I agree he would be like very intimidating as Judge Holler I think um, I <clears throat> who do you want me to do first Mona Lisa or Vinny do, do Vinny I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna see Vinny's first I want you to know not to spoil anything or to give any clues or hints away, but I did some. So the, these, these, these were hard. These were hard. They were, but the 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 actor and actress that I chose for these two characters are the exact same age apart as Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci were in the original. <laughs> and I I I was thinking about it, and I was like, I would ideally like to correct this if I were casting it today, <laughs> like you know. But I'm gonna cast it so that people realize how creepy it was. You know, because I think when you yeah. hear it together, you can be like, "Wow!" Um, so, wow, St Steve Martin, I tell her joy. Yeah. What? No. <laughs> so, like, okay, so for me, for Vinny, I have Vince Vaughn, which was really funny when you said that Ben Stiller was up for playing uh, Billy earlier. I was yeah. like, interesting, because I chose his buddy Vince Vaughn for I, Vinny in my remake. I, I thought about Vince Vaughn too. I will Did say you that. really? I thought about Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I thought because okay. I was like, I, I literally searched Italian American actors. Yeah. And started going to the list of Italian American actors. And so, then okay, you so see I, Vince Vaughn's name for me. Like, I saw his name and I was like, done. Like, I, so I was like going through the list of potentials, you know? I like Vince Vaughn. I, the one I thought, because I was seeing him like trying to, like, who's a, who's a, a non, yeah, not well, quite as much well, of a like not, name. Not a, not a, not a, well, not, no, 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 not that. I mean, I meant more like as, as Thomas stash, would say, not a name no, or whatever. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm more talking about like stature and physique. Oh, I think yeah, that's what's, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's funny is that Pesci is like he's shorter. He's a and, small, yeah. smaller guy, and so yeah. like he, he, he he's not expected. Vince is big. He's a, a big bigger boy. dude. Yeah. The one I said, the one I said, and this is just like a throwing it out there was Charlie Day. Oh, uh, come on. You guys did Vinny. Charlie Day on 12 Angry Men 2. You're just on a Charlie oh, Day Oh, did kick. we? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we as did. number 12. So I think you're just like on a kick right now, Charlie Day. Maybe we are. Maybe we are. <laughs> Maybe we are. I'm just saying. Not to call you out, but like I'm calling you out. We recorded that a few weeks ago. I forgot. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Okay. Okay. So Vince Vaughn is who you have. Who, okay, yeah. So who's your, who's your Lisa? Are you I'm ready? Lisa. The same yeah. age difference. Selena Gomez. I I looked at her too on on the. Uh, she has Italian ancestry. She does. She does. Um. I, I yeah. I I like. I mean, yeah, that is creepy, right? Uh, when you think about that, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna do it because when people think about Selena Gomez and Vince Vaughn together, 
that's how you should feel about. I think she's. I think she's great. Let me. I'll I'll toss this one out because I saw her name and I was like, oh, she's good. Demi Lovato. No. Okay, because she was on the same list, and I thought, or not actually, Selena Gomez was not on the list. I saw Demi Lovato and then thought of Selena Gomez. Anyways, go ahead. I'm also. I feel like I also cast her a lot and stuff, but Lady Gaga is who I thought of. Oh my god. For she would be Lisa. She would be great. She would be, be great. great. She would be awesome. She's she's yeah. so Italian. She's so Italian. She's amazing. And she's yeah. so and she's so funny. And she's got this like she is so ballsy and she doesn't give a shit. And I love that. Uh and yeah. But and she I also think she can Yeah. No, I was just gonna say she's ballsy and she doesn't give a shit, but she also has this like kind of sensitive, like, you know, she brings some I like that. Mm-hmm. I just I think that's a perfect pairing. And I think she could, and I think she's really funny. I think she hasn't. Oh, she's hilarious. Yeah. I don't think she's been in enough comedies to kind of prove that, but I think she can be really funny. So, so we got Vince Vaughn, Tom Lee Jones and Lady Gaga. Okay. Or Selena Gomez, but I do like Lady Gaga. I do like, I love Lady Gaga. I'll I'll give up Selena Gomez for Lady Gaga. I'm giving you Vince Vaughn. I'm giving you Vince Vaughn. Because it's great. And you know, it's great, but I do like Lady Gaga. Yeah, I think I, let's try to recreate, re- recorrect, or correct what was. What You're the right. Stuff. All right, we'll be more idealistic. I, I can't believe I'm the one that's saying this. And Look, not, tonight's been a weird <laughs> night for me, Brandon. <laughs> okay. I understand. There've been a I lot understand. of moments tonight where I thought, "Is that really coming out of my mouth?" Yep, that's it's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It happens. <laughs> um, and so, does this film fit within any other genres? Well, the southern genre, I yes, would say, for sure. Yeah. Um, fish out of water type story oh, is another yeah, big one I definitely. would say I like that I didn't um, even think about that I mean it's obviously a comedy that feels very basic to say but comedy, it is a yeah. comedy yeah and it might yeah. be a drama too we don't really know <laughs> I agree, <laughs> you know? I agree. so um, yeah, yeah I think those fit well yeah. um, and then how does this film fit within the courtroom drama genre I think we talked about like the aha moments of like, uh, you know, yeah, the, little, the, the little nuggets yeah. of evidence that, oh, yep. that's a tidbit we learned earlier in the story and suddenly it's important. Um, yep. Grits, Mona Lisa knowing a lot about cars, you know. Um, yeah, the, pi- the pictures, the pictures with the car that she takes, yeah. like to get yep. that. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. That's yeah. all there. Yeah, that's all there. The, uh, the You have the kind of inexperienced lawyer who's underestimated. Yep, Again, it's like we talked. We said L Woods. It's very much very L Woods, yeah. Uh, type stuff early on. Um, you had the old character actor in the judge yeah. role who gets a little moment. Um, yeah, and a you couple this, character actors in important roles in this yeah, movie. Bruce, which I I said, yeah, Bruce. Yeah, I keep saying Bruce McGill, Austin Pendleton, Lane Smith. Um, I also side thing. I love the bailiff in this movie. Oh, he's like, funny. The, he's so yeah. sweet. He's so sweet. With the, with, and he with chuckles the, with the, like yeah, with the gray with the gray mustache. It's yeah. like covering his mouth basically. Yeah. The way never says a word, but yeah. just fantastic. Yeah, I almost I like put him up for Beatrice Drake because I still think about him. Even though he's in like he just has no lines. Um, he's probably like a local a local hire from Georgia. From Georgia, yes. Yeah, probably um, talking about that one time when he was on. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, it has that. So it has the pieces of evidence. It has you kind of have some the good surprise monologues witness. in there. Surprise witness. Yeah, if you're talking about like yeah tropes. Um, and you also have it's not a mystery, but you have a little bit of a detective angle. Yeah, for sure. With them trying to figure stuff out, which is all yeah. kind of part of this of this genre. Yeah. Um, and in a way, Jim Trotter is kind of the old country lawyer. Yeah, he's kind of, you he got kind of that, portrays himself you as totally that. do. Yeah, have that. Yeah. So I think that's on my cousin Vinny, Amy. Wow. 
Is there anything else you want to say? Um, <clears throat> I would like to personally apologize to the listeners of this podcast for never seeing the Karate Kid, but I promise. <laughs> It wasn't. Imp- you, you, it was. It wasn't important. Didn't even, we didn't, didn't even talk about it. No, I, I, I knew we. I knew we wouldn't. And I was like, God, why are you outing yourself with this? We're not going to talk about Listen, it. Listen, this is like the time I accidentally said that I wasn't as big of a fan of Beauty and the Beast on this podcast. I don't I remember you saying that, so this is news to me. Oh God! Oh my God! You put it you in the episode. Out just, I outed oh, myself I? again. I'm afraid you're never going to ask me to come back because of it. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, I don't really have anything to add. Um, what a movie. What a third act. <laughs> what a third act. Third, third act's third great. Act. That's yeah. it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's how you finish. It's That's how you finish. <laughs> so next episode is our final episode of our courtroom drama month. We are discussing Billy Wilder's Witness the Prosecution. Based on a story by Agatha Christie, we'll also turn into a play, but adapted by Billy Wilder and directed by Billy Wilder. Came out in nineteen fifty seven. So go watch that if you can, if it's on streaming. Um we hope you enjoy that but that's next week uh that's all we have for this episode if you have any questions for us feel free to contact us at cinationpodcast at gmail.com send us your questions comments or even kind words and if you're a new listener or a fan of the show and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us be sure to subscribe to nation podcast to stay up to date on all of our new episodes you can subscribe to our show on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, stitcher or wherever your podcast and if you haven't already be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform Tell us what you think, if you're liking the show, if there's a favorite episode you have, your favorite courtroom drama, if you love The Karate Kid, um, whatever you want. And five stars, that'd be great. <laughs> and finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and TikTok. Um, Amy, thank you for coming back and joining me on this episode. Absolutely. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We hope to listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.